Wilson. I've always wanted to say that on a show. The Jets took Zach Wilson with his second pick to become their new franchise quarterback. Joe Douglas made some splashes in the draft to revamp the offense and get some help in the secondary. We'll evaluate what the Jets GM did and where the team stands heading into the summer as NFL Network insider Kim Jones joins us. So get your cocoa butter. Rub Joe Douglas's bald head for good luck. We got lots cooking on the season finale of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. But if you're on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Go in right now, rate us five stars, write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. It's Jake Brown here at Jake Brown Radio on Twitter. Brian Costello there, the New York Jets beat writer. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Cos. You can check out all of his stories on the NFL Draft at nypost.com or if you're still picking up the newspaper in the physical new york post cause what a draft it was there were trades there was you know fans making picks there was you know famous people making picks there was lavernius coles and eric coleman making picks lions tigers and bears oh my lots happened and let's dive right into what Joe Douglas does. I think Jets fans are happy with what they did. I think the naysayers would say maybe they take a cornerback higher and kind of bolster that secondary. They went with, you know, safeties a little bit over corners, but guys who could play both safety corner, play a little special teams as well. But they got Zach Wilson. They put a piece in front of him next to Makai Becton, and they added a playmaker, and then they added another playmaker. So two playmakers and an offensive lineman for a franchise quarterback. I think it was a grand start for an offense that we know was decimated, and they're kind of putting the pieces around Zach Wilson to have success. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him because there's certainly enough talent around him on the offensive side to have success, guys. Yeah, Jake. I mean, look, we, we've talked about it before. List of needs for this team entering this offseason was basically a depth chart. Used the Noah's Ark joke a few times, two of everything. Joe Douglas was not going to be able to fill every hole through free agency, through the draft. This is going to be at least a two-year process, maybe more, to fill all the holes. So we were going to come out of this draft with, with something that he wasn't going to have, and it turned out to be cornerback. I do think it's a big hole. They're going to have to address it probably with a veteran, add something, someone to that room. You know, you can't argue with the positions he did take because he filled needs with, you know, obviously quarterback and offensive line and wide receiver and running back were all needs. And he filled them with potentially could be very good players. It looks like it looks like he got a lot of value with more in the second round. That was a guy people talked about in the first round. Carter in the fourth round, the running back from North Carolina, not to be confused with the other Michael Carter from Duke, but the running back from North Carolina, he was a guy people thought would be going the third round. So you never know, Jake. I'm not a fan of draft grades. I know people love those. You don't know. A lot of these players we never heard of until they were drafted, let's be honest. So you don't know how it's going to work out, but I grade on logic. And this was a logical draft to me. I liked what he did. You know, I don't think, you know, we all say he's got to give Zach Wilson this. It's also giving Michael Floor a chance, Jake. 
not just Zach Wilson, because I feel like the last few offensive coaches here going back probably to like, I don't know, 2016, 2017, haven't had much to work with. <laughs> then there hasn't been a lot. And we, we, it's always, you know, oh, they didn't, they didn't build around Sam Darnold, but how about the guys, you know, that were the offensive coaches that had to deal with it. So I think this gives Michael LaFleur a chance to build his offense up. They have some playmakers now. Let's see what he can do. Damn it, Kaz. I knew you were going to say, let's wait. We got to wait three to five years. We got to yeah, see. Sorry. I no grades, Jake. I knew it was coming. <laughs> you know, on paper, I like what he did. And I really don't think Zach Wilson has many excuses. Obviously, you're going to get a year or two, your rookie quarterback. But there's, so, I mean, look at their depth chart now, at least at receiver Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, Vincent Smith, Chris Herndon, Ryan Griffin. They have a lot. Michael P. Ryan, Tevin Coleman. You said Michael Carter, one of two. They took two Michael Carter. I've never seen a, a team they take got, two of the same. They've got game, depth, but. Jake. They've got more depth than they've had in a long time. Do they have top end? Not talent? superstars, no. No, they don't have another. Like, none of those guys are number one wide receivers. Corey Davis is a good number two. You know, he's going to be a number one here. We'll see what Michael Carter from North Carolina can do. But, you know, Tevin. Kevin Coleman is probably a complimentary back at this point in his career, I think. He has been for most of his career. So do they have a number one running back? You know, not a stud that's going to carry the ball a ton of times. And they don't have a tight end that you can, you're sure of, but there's depth. So that's going to help. I wouldn't go overboard in the expectations in this year for Zach Wilson because I still think he's got a challenge ahead of him. The Jets still aren't going to be, you know, a top half of the league D offense. I, I think I think if they can get up to like 20 in offense this year, that, that's major progress. Yeah, I mean, as a Jets fan, I am excited for a fresh start, a fresh slate yeah. with Zach Wilson to see what he has. If he sucks, he sucks. There's not much you can do. He was your top quarterback available. Obviously, if the Jets get Trevor Lawrence, this is a completely different draft. And I think, you know, you might have Jets fans buying season tickets today. I mean, yeah. if they had Trevor Lawrence, there's a big drop off to Zach Wilson. But I think the fact that there's a fresh slate and there's known guys. I mean, even if the Jets were to lose a couple of receivers to injury, there's six guys deep where they have capable backups to come in there. Where last year, you didn't know who was coming in. There was a point last year where Braxton Berrios was your number one receiver, at least on the depth chart right now he's basically number six so you're in a lot better position if there are injuries and you know there will be it's just football that's how it is Coleman I agree he's not a stud but he's a guy who could be a receiving back you know Michael Carter could do the same I know he's a little undersized LaMichael P. Ryan, we didn't see a lot of, but tape shows that he can be explosive when he's out there. So there's a lot to look forward to, and I think just adding a starting lineman, I mean, AVT, Vera Tucker next to Becton, should excite you, right? Going to the left side, blind side of Zach Wilson, running towards the left side, having those two guys. Hopefully McGovern takes a step up. He was supposed to be a lot better last year than, than what he was. I think the offensive line you're much less worried about. I think that was a good move by Joe Douglas trading up and getting your hopefully franchise left guard next to Mekhi Becton. Here's what you have to hope, Jake. They can score more than 15.2 points per game next year because that's what they scored last it's year. It's like the and Mets. It's like the Mets of uh, football. <laughs> and I mean, the NFL right now, right? Like records for points scored. And remember that Chiefs Rams game a few years ago? The Jets haven't gotten the memo that it's offense. And for a long time, this has been a 
team to draft a defense. Think about it. Between Sanchez and Darnold, every first-round pick was a defensive player. There's a reason this offense has stunk. They haven't invested in players. Clearly, Joe Douglas is investing in the offense right now. Now, he's going pro- to have to address the defense maybe next year hard because they need some help over there. But I think the defensive line is pretty good with Quinn and Williams, with Carl Lawson, with Sheldon Rankins there. I, I think they'll be able to do some things. If C.J. Mosley can come back, look a little bit like his former self, that'll be good in the middle. And the secondary is going to have some issues. Mark, you know, Marcus May, we know what he is, but the rest of the guys are going to kind of be in prove-it mode. But at least, Jake, if the Jets lose this year, it might be like 34-27 to 27 instead of 34-3. to 3. <laughs> and they and they might be a little bit more entertaining to watch because a lot of times in the last few years it's been like watching paint dry, you know, when their offense is on the field. So they should be a little bit more entertaining at least if that counts for something. Yeah, I mean, we want to see Zach Wilson show that he is the guy. And if that means you lose by seven, 14 times, fine. But I do think this team on paper, paper is capable of winning maybe five or six games from two. I guess that is a, a decent improvement. I think through the roof and a monster year, obviously it's still early, moves will be made. They're, they're probably going to add a cornerback. We'll talk about that later with Kim Jones as she joins us. They're, they're going to add a one or two veteran corners, I think, to be determined. But I think through the moon and, like, sky is the limit for this team on paper, cause if I, I know you don't like looking at it this way, but on paper, let's look at it. On the New York Post, you know, September 7th, on paper, you make your prediction. I say through the roof is eight wins. Realistic is maybe six. Yeah, I'd give you that. I have to look at it a little bit closer. Got to look at their schedule again. You know, they're playing the NFC South, which is pretty good. Maybe Atlanta's the, the worst team there. They're playing the AFC South next year. So Houston is down. The other teams are pretty good. Jacksonville, you know, they, you know, they're kind of in the same boat as the Jets. The other two teams are pretty good. They got the Bengals. You know, they got the Broncos. So, you know, they, they should be able to win some of these games. Like you said, Jake, it's on paper. <laughs> you just don't know injury-wise what's going to happen. But I think that's a reasonable expectation. I think five, six wins is reasonable. And then, yeah, if everything breaks right for them, maybe they can get eight wins. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking ahead because our next show probably won't be until August. Um, So, you know, we won't be back for a while here. So, yeah, home and the schedule does come out next week. Home, Buffalo, Miami, New England, Jacksonville, Tennessee, New Orleans, Tampa, Cincy, Philly, Road games, Buffalo, Miami, New England, Houston, Indianapolis, Denver, Atlanta, Carolina. So I think they could squeak five or six wins out there. But the key is progress and seeing them score. I mean, like you said, it's a team that was watching Patriot. It was rough watching this offense. And I think they have a lot more respectable offense now. Elijah Moore is, could be explosive, a slot receiver. We'll see what they do with Crowder. Do you think there's a chance that they shed that salary and cut him, or do you think he'll be here? I do think there's a chance, Jake. He's got uh, his cap number's $10 million in that neighborhood. He Right now, he's a progress stopper. To me, you want you drafted Elijah Moore in the second round. You want to play Elijah Moore. It's going to be hard to get him on the field with Crowder. They're a similar player. Maybe they take it into training camp and see what Moore can do, and then make a decision. Maybe they just cut Crowder loose soon. But I do think there's a there's a good chance that Crowder won't be on the team. And you think a Marcus May extension will be in the works at some point here? Yeah, I don't know if it gets done. <laughs> I, I really don't. I it feels like they're far apart to me. You know, Joe Joe Douglas said today, okay, now that's the priority after the draft. That's what he said about Jamal last year. So not that Marcus May is getting traded, but he he would play the year out on the on the tag if uh, they can't get a deal. But I'm skeptical about whether they'll be, actually get a long term deal done with him. Okay, we talked Wilson, we talked Elijah Vera Tucker, we talked Elijah Moore, we talked Michael Carter. Let's go later in the draft here, Cos, with these fifth and sixth round picks. What can you tell me about Jamie and Sherwood, the other Michael Carter, the second out of Duke? 
Jason Pinnock. Well, let's start. Let's go one by one here. Jamie and Sherwood out of Auburn. Yeah, Sherwood's a guy who played safety at Auburn, but he's going to be a linebacker in Robert Sala's system. I think the theme, Jake, for most of these late-round picks is versatility. They can play They can play some different roles. You know, the defense is changing. We talked about the offensive explosion. Now defense is kind of changing to catch up to it, where you need guys who are faster and can cover these guys, where traditionally you have these huge linebackers. Coverage is going to be important in Robert Sala's defense, and Sherwood is a guy that will move to linebacker and cover, and I think these are guys, too, that can play special teams. That's what you're drafting in the fifth and sixth round. But, you know, I'm interested to see what they can do with, uh, you know, Sherwood and then the Florida State safety. You want to try his name, Jake? Oh, man, this is Hamza Nazareldine. That's good. That's pretty good, I think. Uh, those are the kind of the same type of guys that, you know, safeties that they're going to try to move to linebacker. And so I'll be interested to see how it works. All right. So Michael Carter, the the other Michael Carter, the Duke Michael Carter, you know, I think he's a nickel free safety. You know, they did not resign Brian Poole. That's another guy throwing in the mix if maybe they bring him back. But I could see, you know, Carter being in that nickel role and then playing some safety as well. He's a high character guy, which is, you know, what the, what the Jets love. I believe he was a team captain at Duke. So he's a guy, again, a little versatility on defense. You love hearing them captains, your team captains. Jason yes. P- Jason Pinnock, and you know, he was a ro- wide receiver in a high school. Um, do you see him maybe as more of a special teams guy in his rookie season? Yeah, you know, any of these guys, Jake. I, like This is how I look at it always, you know, from watching this for years. Anyone taking in the first and second round should be a starter. Other than, other than quarterback, that's a little different. But first and second round, they should be a starter year one right? Third round picks to me are guys who you want to contribute as rookies, play a lot of special teams, play a little bit of offense or defense, and then become starters the next year. Fourth round and beyond, those guys, are you just take what you can get. You take some special teams early and hope they develop. So yeah, I think these guys are all probably special teams guys, but Pinnock, he's he's a big guy, six foot, 200 pounds. He's, you know, he's pretty fast. We'll see. He led the team in interceptions at Pittsburgh. You know, they did pretty well when they took a quarterback from Pittsburgh before, right? Darrell Revis worked out. He worked out well. I don't think we'll be saying Pinnock Island, but you know, you never know. We'll see. We'll see. I think what's interesting is we talked about cornerback and not drafting one early. What Joe Douglas did late was just throw a lot at the position. He, he drafted three cornerbacks and you'll, you know, so it was, it's, qu- it's quantity over quality. We'll see what shakes out from them. Pinning down receivers is Pinnock. Wait for Bob Wachusen's call on uh, on the radio. All right, so Brandon Ecoles at uh, 200, and then Jonathan Marshall. They went with a defensive tackle with their last Let pick. Let me just go back to Nazar Dean for a second from Florida State. Say that again? Sorry, I didn't catch that one. What was yeah, that? Yeah, he, he could be the steel Jake of the draft for them because this guy should have been higher. He had a knee injury. Reminds me of Bryce Hall last year. You know, they capitalized on a guy who had an injury. He got injured in November of 2019, tore his ACL. So last year, he missed most of the season. He came back and played the last two games. And Joe Douglas mentioned that. If you have, if you watch any of the press conferences, they talk about guys who love ball. That's what Salah says. He loves ball. That showed he loved football. He came back and played those last two games. He wasn't going to affect his draft stock in two games. So he came back and played because he loves football and loves his team. So I think that stood out. Yeah, and then the Eagles and Marshall, you see what you can get from six-round guys. I think at that point, you're just taking flyers on guys. They, they all have something that pushes them down to that point and you know see if you can coach them up when you get them in the building yeah and Hamza we're on a first name basis now Hamza Hamza led the team in tackles in 2018 and 2019 so you want to talk about a guy who like you said could be a steal in the sixth round listen there's some guy you know that's that's won enough Super Bowls for a family of 12 named Tom Brady was picked in the sixth round a lot of 
picks have come from that sixth round have turned out magical. So maybe Humza, Antonio Antonio Brown was a sixth round. Pick. Yes, and he'll he'll be back. Well, along yeah with Mr. with the both sixth round picks. But yeah, I mean that that's what you that's what I look for in the sixth round is you say why is this guy there and if it's an injury and then the doctors clear him, I think that's a great risk to take. I'd rather take that risk, Jake, than a guy's a knucklehead and like oh let's see if we can get that like. That never seems to work, in my opinion. But like the injury stuff, if he's better, they could have a guy. And remember, Florida State too has been a mess, Jake. Like that's not Florida State from when I was growing up with Bobby Bowden. They've gone through a bunch of coaches in the last few years, so that's affected his career. A lot of different defensive coordinators. So we'll see what he can do with the Jets. Yeah, I think a lot of big schools, these guys, and the fact that he came back in a pandemic after a torn ACL is a double impressive. Two thumbs up, Ebert and Roper for that because, you know, there's a lot of guys that opted out last year for their draft stock. You know, we saw it around the drafts and guys who didn't play last year or wouldn't come back from injury or don't play in a bowl game because they don't want to hurt their stock. So that shows some courage there to come back from that. Now, I think Jets fans, like I said, are excited. The depth chart looks good. Now, there's one more major question mark when you look at this team, and that is who will compete with Zach Wilson? Because, you know, your favorite player in Jets history, James Morgan, is the Jets' backup cause and and Mike White. So is this a team that's going to go after Nick Foles? Who do they go after? Who's out there that could be the guy that maybe not compete, but to push Zach Wilson a little bit as a veteran? Yeah, it's a good question, Jake. And Foles makes a lot of sense to me. You know, when Chicago took Justin Fields, I started thinking, okay, here we go. Remember, Joe Douglas has a ring on his finger because of Nick Foles, right? So there's a connection there. He's not very good, but you're not going to find anyone that's very good to, to, for that role. You, you just need someone to come in and then basically teach Zach Wilson how to be a pro. I, I know the mentor thing gets thrown around a lot and drives people crazy, but it, it's really about like, how do you watch film at the NFL level? How do you weight train at the NFL level? How do you eat the best nutrition? And those guys help. Josh McCown th- did help. It doesn't always mean the guy's going to be great, but it helps them become pros. So Foles to me makes sense. He's got a lot of money, Jake. They'd have to kind of figure out how to work the money. But I think if Chicago is motivated it will take a late round pick in 2022 he makes a lot of sense they had brian hoyer in a few weeks ago he's another one you know the names these guys get retreads retread around the league but i definitely think they need one right now they have no one on the roster who's taking a snap in the nfl yeah i would love Foles because you look at this list aj mccarran rg3 I think McCarron just signed somewhere, I think. Yeah, so he's got yeah. Blaine Gabbert. I mean, the list is pretty – Nick Mullins. I mean, Joe Wet. I mean, the list is just pathetic. Yeah. Nick so. Mullins is interesting, but he had an elbow injury last year. You know, he has a San Francisco connection. I don't know how healthy he is. And he's also – he's not that – deep a veteran <laughs> he's only played for a few years yeah i just i want someone where if wilson were to go down or he's having a crappy game that could come in there and give them a chance and they have not had that in in a while yeah i thought flacco was okay last year jake you know i thought flacco i really thought they should have won the monday night game against new england that he played you know i thought in the beginning he looked rusty the first two games then the new england game i thought he played well and i thought he played well against the chargers other than the pick six he played pretty well and they could have won that game so i thought i i I would have brought Flacco back. You know, I think the Jets tried, and I don't know if he didn't want to come back. And he, he went to Philly, where he's closer to where he lives, where he's from. So maybe that was it. But yeah, I thought he was a good one. Yeah, Foles makes the most sense to me out of all these guys. The Jets need a second wheel quarterback. Cause I was basically the fifteenth wheel at my brother's wedding on Saturday. I'm down here in South Carolina, Lake Wiley, at a lake house, and. 
you know, love is a beautiful thing. You know, I love my teams. I haven't found the love of my life. You have a wife. I don't know if I'll ever find one at this rate, but being a 15th wow, this wheel. Is, this is melancholy, Jake. This, <laughs> this just took a turn. Well, I think some listeners like to hear dating updates. I don't really have any true dating updates. But... Gang's all sad podcast. Yeah. <laughs> gang's all here. Me and my Diet Coke is essentially uh, the gang's all here <laughs> in my life and my chicken parm heroes. But yeah, man, it was 15th wheel, I guess, with the family ninth wheel. And it's like, man, I, I, I do enjoy being single. We'll talk about Hot Boy Summer with Kim Jones later on. But, man, when you're the 15th wheel, if I go to a wedding, I'll be the 143rd wheel next year when, when they have the party because they posted that back. But, my goodness, Kaz, it is a sad world when everyone is in a couple and you're just there with your oh, bottle of white man. wine, drowning in white wine. I'll say that. Start singing all by myself, Jake. All Jake. by <laughs> myself. Don't want to be... Kim Jones will join us, and we won't be ourselves because we'll be with Kim Jones next here on Gangs All Here. Joining us now is a friend of the program, NFL Network Insider, WFAN reporter, host you hear sometimes. It's the great Kim Jones joining us here on Gangs All Here. You can follow her on Twitter at Kim Jones. Sports, Kim, how is the off-season and now uh, draft season treating you? Kaz will tell you there's no off-season, off Jake. I'm fine. <laughs> I hope you guys are. And, Kaz, I really enjoyed your coverage during the Jets draft. Likewise, Kim. I thought you did a great job on NFL Network. You had some good insight into the Jets thinking. You know, what's your, what was your biggest takeaway from the Jets draft? I had a, a couple of them, and I'll be brief. Uh, we can delve into whatever. It's your podcast, so we can delve into whatever you all want to. A couple of things in no particular order. If I were a Jets fan, and as someone who observes the Jets rather closely, not as closely as the beat folks, but, but rather closely, I am mostly encouraged if that's the right word, with the relationship between Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. Because I think you could make the case that you have to go back years and years, you know, maybe to those successful times, well, certainly to those successful times with Mike T and Rex uh, getting to championship games, since I think we've had a tandem in leadership at the Jets who is working together and in concert as well as these guys. I was somewhat struck, although I should not have been, by the real conviction they had, not just for Zach Wilson, I think a lot of us figured that, but in the guard and getting him on board, doing what they had to do to move up to get him. And certainly you see a quarterback who, if he doesn't start the first game, I'll be surprised, and a left side of the offensive line with Becton and Vera Tucker that, that – you know, should grow into a very good left side of that line. Those were, I guess, a couple of my biggest takeaways. It's obviously so early to tell, but you did talk for a bit to Zach Wilson. While he did look like he was ready for prom night, because he, he does look like he would get carded for a rated R movie. Yeah, d yeah. Do you have a good feel of him? Do you think that, you know, this guy could be the leader of the city and we're going to see him on billboards in five years as the face of the franchise? Well, he's going to have every opportunity, as you noted. I mean, he, he looks like he could be in a boy band, right? That will work in his favor. He certainly has to be able to play, but he's done some remarkable things on the football field. We could talk about level of competition. Joe Douglas, in my view, is a bit sensitive about that. You know, cause I think I'm sure you were on all the calls I was and more the schedule. You know, it's not his fault BYU had a 
had a low rank, you know, in terms of competitiveness, uh, their schedule last season. So, I, you know, I thought that that was him really sticking up for a quarterback in an extreme way. He mentioned Steve McNair, you know, not playing a, a, the highest of schedules from what Alcorn State. So I thought that was interesting, that that was the one area cause I thought where Joe was actually slightly sensitive about the pick. But I, I think they love the pick. I think he seems poised. And, you know, we're going to find out. It was interesting, Kim, because, yeah, the, the Steve McNair comparison was unsolicited and he brought that up. I thought that was interesting. And obviously, Steve McNair played in Baltimore when, when Joe was a scout there. He was, he didn't draft him, but he played later in his career in Baltimore. And then, you know, Joe's claim to fame in the scouting world is Joe Flacco. That was the, he, he was the one who, who went to the, went to bat for Joe Flacco with the Ravens and Joe Flacco, while he Delaware, started right? Pittsburgh, yep. played at Delaware. Yeah. He played at Delaware, which is one, you know, one double a competition. So he has some experience here. And I, like, I think that it's a valid question. Like you watched, I've watched a lot of Zach Wilson lately. These teams he was playing jokes, <laughs> you know? So I think it's a valid question, but they see traits that they like. And I understand it. I thought Kim to me, um, you know, I thought Vera Tucker was interesting that they went to get him but then uh, Elijah Moore they seem to be like giddy about I thought like talking to them was that the sense you got of how, how excited they were that Moore was there in the second round for them yeah and I I actually think this is Joe Douglas filling the the playmakers and protection Val that maybe unfortunately as we look back on it but that he made to Sam Darnold's parents a couple years back and this time you know he really is doing it and I think they they believe they got a difference maker especially with the rest you know you, you have Corey Davis you have Denzel Mims and now you you add more, you know, and, and, and some other, many other players. I mean, I assume Crowder's back cause, but they have a crowded and a much more talented, you know, wide receiver room cause. We'll have to see if it includes Crowder. You know, they've infused with some talent here where I think that, that Kyle, I just called him Kyle. Guys, can I tell you how many times over the Kyle week Wilson. I either did <laughs> or almost called him Kyle Wilson? I can't even tell you, and I just did it on your podcast, so I guess that's fitting. But, you know, listen, he's got better weapons. Former Jets first-round pick, got- Kim, right? Former, you know, you got Kyle Wilson, great first-round pick by the Jets. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I can't stop saying his name. Oh, well, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I love the talent they're putting around. You know, we talk a lot about the defense and not being good, but they have, he's got all the targets in the world now. You know, tight end, they, they're not the greatest, but – uh, they're hoping for Chris Herndon to have a big, you know, year this year, and they got the running backs, they got the receivers. Uh, you mentioned boy bands. Are are you a in sync or a Backstreet Boys kind of kind of gal, Kim? Oh, or both? hard to pick. I like them both. I probably like I probably like a few of in sync songs the best, but overall, I like the Backstreet Boys better. Good call, good, good. Yeah, Kaz. I I don't take you as a Backstreet Boys or in sync <laughs> kind of guy. No, no, that wasn't that wasn't for me, Jake. That wasn't for me. Where where are you on Joe Douglas overall? I like as a Jets fan, I think a lot of people are amped right now. I mean, they're running through brick walls, you know, and they're saying, you know what? If this quarterback is the guy, we feel good about the direction of this team, and this could be maybe a six seven win team, which would be a big improvement. Where are you on Joe Douglas, and, and do you agree that the fans are maybe not through the roof for him? but they're elated at what he did over the weekend. Well, a couple things. First of all, this time of year breeds optimism, and it probably should. I went back and I looked at, at the, the Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Baker draft just to see what, the, what the, some of the grades were after that. Kind of sort of a consensus. This is not scientific. But Josh Allen kind of garnered a B with the Bills. Sam, a B-plus, same range. And obviously they, they're having, you know, starkly different careers so far. So – 
we don't know anything after a draft, but we actually have to act like we do. And I understand that for newspapers. I understand that for TV. I understand that generally speaking with the media. But what I would say is I think that it's easy to like the decisiveness and the leadership Joe is showing. I said on NFL Network this week, I know he got the job in June of, of 2019. I know he made trades, Leonard, Jamal, Sam, more recently. I know all of that, but it kind of feels to me like this is when Joe Douglas is really putting his stamp on the franchise. And and listen, the the, the one thing about the dropbacks, uh, or excuse me, about the schedule and everything else that that Zach Wilson faced, I mean, those are fair criticisms, even if I would understand why a GM doesn't want to hear them. But but guys, I I looked this up and I actually asked NFL research to to, to confirm my math because I always have to confirm my math somewhere else. And Sam last season was sacked once every 12 dropbacks. Okay, that's a lot, obviously. Zach Wilson at BYU, not apples to apples, was sacked once every 33 dropbacks. So we are talking about a starkly different situation that Zach Wilson needs to come into. And part of that is the quarterback himself. I understand that, that he needs to come into than the one Sam was trying to thrive and sometimes survive in. And I do think some of that falls on Joe Douglas. I just think the trade of Sam the drafting of Zach helps to almost give everyone a clean slate. And I understand why people are optimistic about that clean slate. That's a great stat, Kim, because that's what struck me watching Zach Wilson was just he's sitting back there with all the time in the world to throw the ball. And my experience covering the Jets is Jets quarterbacks typically don't have all the time in the world to throw the ball. I think Mark Sanchez (laughs) might have been the last one that had an offensive line that let him sit back there. So that's going to be interesting to me. And then I look at Zach Wilson and he's 6'2", 214, but he's a small 6'2", 214. Like he's kind of got a slight frame to him, which is something no one's ever said about me. But, you know, if he he gets drilled and driven into the ground and he already had shoulder surgery in college, that's a worry to me with him. You know, we'll see. That's why they drafted Vera Tucker. And that's why they drafted Makai Becton last year and see if Joe Douglas can keep building this line. Uh, but I think it's a great point to your raise about Joe's putting his stamp on the team finally. To me, it's like he bought a house where the backyard was completely overgrown and all this stuff. And he spent the first two years basically clearing it out and getting rid of all the garbage out of his yard. And now he's starting to play at the garden and, and do something here. Any of the day three picks, Kim, interest you and, in, you know, and find intriguing? You think the thing could have potential? I got a Michael Carter story from but if you guys don't mind, I want to pick up cause a little bit on what you said, because I also said this on NFL Network. Listen, I was at the Jets literally from Tuesday through Saturday pre-draft. So, you know, I had a lot I, I had to get in, you, you know, and, you know, talked a lot of Jets. So there were different points I was making. This may or may not have been the best point. But cause when you mentioned going back to Mark Sanchez, I actually, after they took took Vera Tucker, said, not exactly the same positions. You know, I understand position changes here, but they're all O-linemen. You know, DeBrickashaw and Nick Mangold provided just hammers on that offensive line that they knew, check one, check two, we'll deal with the rest. And and the rest ended up being pretty good too, but they were the guys. And I just wonder on the left side, if perhaps, and this would be pie in the sky type of stuff, but Vera Tucker alongside Becton could be that. Now, here's my Michael Carter story. So I was filling which, in on Good Morning Michael Football. Carter, I don't Kim, know. Which, which one? Which Michael Carter? I, well, that's what I'm getting to. No, no, that's what <laughs> okay. I'm getting to. Right. Yeah. So I'm filling in on Good Morning Football, and they tell me 
they tell us in the morning, you know, before the show, we're going to have Michael Carter on. And I'm like, okay. And he's from UNC. And I'm like, okay. And then they do draft, they do write drafts of questions for us, you know, for players like that. Because, you know, I don't know three days in advance, you know, who they're going to have on the show or anything like that. So they've given me a question. And a lot of times I tweak the question. Sometimes I'll ask to change it completely. This one we had video of. So I was like, this question's fine. It was Michael Carter of UNC going into the end zone and essentially bowling over Michael Carter of Duke. So it was Michael Carter on Michael Carter football crime in in their game, I assume last season, you know, obviously within their college career. So I asked Michael Carter about that and I prefaced it cause by saying, listen, my name's Kim Jones. Like I know all, all about having a common name, you know, and he kind of laughed. So yeah. he actually gave a good answer. He said they were actually friendly. You know, he obviously loved the physical play, you know, that he was able to make on, on a defensive back there getting into the end zone, but, but they apparently were friendly and now they're teammates. And I did like Douglas's line that they're trying to corner the market on Elijah's and Michael Carter's. I actually laughed out loud when he said it. I thought it was kind of funny. The the newest uh, law firm or the, the replacement, <laughs> Salino and Barnes, Carter and Carter, injury insurance. Um, <laughs> That's right. I'm, yeah. all, I'm all Jay, in on Jay that. Kim, Jay Kim talked about her name being common. I, a story, one time Kim and I were going to lunch in uh, Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and there's this great oyster house in Mobile, Winchell's Oyster House, and everyone goes there for it lunch. It is good. At, at it is good, Bowl. yes. So we went, so she put her name in, you know, Jones, table for two, and we're there, but it, it's crowded. Like, like, the Senior Bowl has a rhythm to it. There's one practice, then there's a break, then there's another practice. So during the break, everyone's going to lunch. So we're there, so I'm like, this is going to take a while. All of a sudden, like, Jones, party of two. And I'm like, wow, Kim has power. Jerry Jones <laughs> and Stephen Jones walk by us oh. and go there. <laughs> <laughs> Classic mix-up. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yes. Oh my god, yeah, that's right. yeah, we yeah, did not we have that much play. Tour. We did not. Yeah, I, I hope I hope they I hope Jerry picked up your tab, Kim. After that, <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I bring up one thing? It's completely off-topic. Of course, Jerry is remarkable. I mean, whether it's the Dak Prescott press conference, you know, a couple months ago that went on, I think close to two hours or so. I mean, Jerry is remarkable. Micah Parsons, obviously a Penn Stater, as you and I are. I've gotten to know Micah a little bit. I really like him. Big, big, big personality, as I think people are going to get to know. And obviously a, a Cowboys draft pick. Micah posts, I think, to his Instagram story this weekend, a picture. His family, his parents were there. His brother and sister were there. Maybe another friend or two, longtime friend or two. And he's with Mike McCarthy in the picture and Jerry. Jerry is holding Micah's three-year-old son, Malcolm, who is out. He is out. He looks like he is 45 minutes into, you know, a two hour nap. Yeah. Jerry Jones is holding Malcolm. It is <laughs> hilarious, adorable, and pure Jerry. I don't know how he ends up picking up a, a kid and then the kid falls asleep clearly on his shoulder. I, it was amazing. I love that picture. Speaking of pictures from the draft, did you see the one of Joe Douglas, him taking a photo of Vera Tucker and his family? Did you I see did that? not. Yeah, so they so they was inside the Jets indoor facility. So his family was all there, and so they're posing for a picture. And Joe's taking the picture. But the funny part is, you know how sometimes when you're taking the big group photo, you, you bend your knees like to take the photo. Yeah. So Joe's like squat, like he's he's bending his knees a little bit, taking this picture. He looks like you know someone's mother at the prom taking a picture of them. Yeah. 
uh, of Larry Tucker's family. I'm like, you know, no one else could take the picture. The GM has to take the picture of the family. Right. Oh, that's great. That's great. I like that. Taking Zach, yeah. taking yeah. Zach Wilson. He was in prom mode, obviously, clearly. And uh, <laughs> Kim Jones is yeah, with uh, Kim Jones is with us a few more minutes. The com- you know, we're gonna form our own band, the Common Namers. Kim Jones, Jake Brown. You know, there's a lot of Browns out there as well. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I gotta throw yeah. the whole name out there. L- last one from me, Kim. Cornerback uh, is obviously a big concern amongst the Jets. They took a couple corners late. We don't know if they're going to end up starters. Do you think this, I mean, it seems like Richard Sherman is inevitable with the Salah connection. Um, I know, I think you tweeted about Steven Nelson as well. It seems like they might have to go after two in this, uh, in the remaining months here of free agency. Yeah, Jake, yes, and yes. And, Kaz, I'm curious what you think of this, because I I am always curious what you think of of everything Jets. It almost felt to me watching the draft as it progressed that they started to say to themselves, okay, we're going to go a veteran route at corner here. Maybe one, maybe two. You know, we'll see how that pans out. Just because of the way they're bored and, and the, the picks seem to be falling. And it does make sense to me. And I do think Richard Sherman would be in that mix. Even Nelson was actually a name... I didn't necessarily bring to the table, but was brought to my attention. So I have to believe Steven Nelson's in the mix as well there. That would make sense leadership-wise to me, playing experience-wise to me. And I can certainly see either or both of those being targets for the Jets now. Yeah, I think you're right, Kim. I, I don't think they loved the options in quarterback and free agency, the, the, the beginning of free agency. And then they were, they were looking at the draft, but the way the board fell, you know, if Elijah Moore is not sitting there at 34, maybe they take a cornerback there. But he was, so they, they jumped on him. Clearly, they had, a, you know, Vera Tucker in mind in the first round. I don't think they were thinking corner there. But, you know, like what if, if, if Newsom from Northwestern was sitting there at 34, maybe they go to him. The, my question with Richard Sherman is, I get the solid connection but why else would Richard Sherman want to come here at 33 I gotta think he's looking for a contender to sign with and go chase a ring I saw Seattle's talked about bringing him back you know he's a west coast guy from Los Angeles went to Stanford played Seattle played San Francisco I don't see it you know other than the solid thing that's the only piece of it that makes sense so Steven Nelson is a guy who makes sense and I'm sure there's other guys who you know we're not even thinking about that are on the Jets radar right now I do think they'll add a few cornerbacks to that room Jake because right now it's they have, they have, you know, bless Austin as their most experienced cornerback. And he, he, you know, he's played all of, I think, you know, 20 games or something like that. The one thing I would say, Kaz, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know about the Jets, including this, Robert Sala is very popular among players. I'm not suggesting that the Sala effect would erase a $5 million difference in a contract. That's not my point. Money always talks. But I, I do think we saw it in free agency. We heard players talk about wanting to play for Sala, about watching him and then and saying to themselves, wow, this is a guy I'd want to play for. I don't know if Robert Sala loves the description of a player's coach. My, my hunch is he probably doesn't dislike it. But that would be the reason Richard Sherman would come here. It, it would have to be the, the, that he likes and respects Sala this much. He certainly recognizes Sala, you know, getting the opportunity to be a head coach, and he wants to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, Richard Sherman spoke so highly of Sala during last season. He's saying he should be a head coach, and then when they just hired him, I think he tweeted or put something on Instagram about what a great hire it was. So, yeah, that that's the key piece. I'm just looking – I just wonder if he has an offer to go to Seattle or a team that, that's close to winning – does he go there instead of the Jets? But I, I do think he's definitely a possibility. New York is back. 
this summer. We're reopening. That's another possibility, baby. Come to New York. You know, the, the, everything's opening up. It's hot boy summer, as as the kids say. So, Richard Sherman, we'll, we'll, we'll take you here with the Jets, uh, even if it means what, seven what or eight that, wins. What the hell is hot boy summer? Ask mean, your dude? kids about it. <laughs> my kids are, my kids are eight years sure old. I'm not sure either, I don't have a 30-year-old, Jake. What, it, what the hell is hot boy it's, summer? Uh, it's, huh? it, it's, it's the move, man. It's hot boy summer. It's coming. It's, you know, the, everyone's getting vaccinated. The streets are opening back up, and Richard Sherman wants to be a part of it, man. So uh, look it up. It's uh, it's a fad with the kids these days. You're probably kids younger than me. I'm 30. It's probably kids in their 20s are talking about. It's Hot Boy Summer and Shot Girl Summer. All the girls getting the vaccines, Shot Girl Summer. There you go. On that note, Kim Jones, one of the best in the business. Follow her on Twitter, at Kim Jones Sports. Kim, we always love catching up with you, and uh, enjoy your summer. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That says adios to episode 67, the Dave Herman edition, and season two of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Brian Mungia for helping me out in producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts right now and give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. That seals the deal on this season of the show. We'll return for training camp and preseason in August. Stay safe, folks, and we'll talk to you this summer. Thanks for listening.